Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. Discussing cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film. So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question... What do you got? What do you got? I've actually never read or watched Treasure Island, so I don't really know. Well, I mean, you've seen Muppet Treasure Island. I actually have not. Shut the fuck up. This podcast is over. (laughs) Like, like indefinitely or this episode? Turn it. Turn up your game. Turn up my game. Here's my game. How's that? Is that better? I guess. I don't know if I want (laughs) to do this anymore. I I understand. Man. I've seen the Muppets movie. I've seen Muppets Christmas Carol. I don't think I've ever seen Muppet Treasure Island. If I did, I saw it when I was very young. I don't remember. You've, you've you know, we were just talking about black sails. I, I, I hate to make this pun, but you have, in fact, taken the wind out of my sails. Were they black? Uh, Racist. No. no. <laughs> hey, everybody. Right. Welcome back to our show. <laughs> oh, God. We started. Yeah, we did. Um, We started off by talking about pirates. And the Muppets and Treasure and Islands. And now we're going to talk about something completely different. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, we missed you. We missed you a lot. <laughs> yeah, sound more truthful there, Nick. Jesus. <laughs> and it's been hurting every day since. And <laughs> we've thought a lot about what we've done in the past and how we can rectified in the future and do better (laughs) and by god we will try to do better by you um and what that means is nothing different from every other episode so welcome to what do you got we're gonna do a pitch today we're gonna see what comes of it um rob i believe this article is from you and i would like you to tell us about this article sure i suppose that is my my cross to bear um so Prohibition, you guys. Prohibition was a thing. We can all generally agree it was a bad idea. But actually, by sorry, God, did sorry. the government make it worse? Before before you get into this, I have a story that I, I always like to share. Um, in I, I can't remember if it was eighth grade or freshman year, my history teacher was telling us a story about something he did that was the biggest mistake in the world. Now, as everybody knows, or even if you don't, the 18th Amendment was prohibition, the banning of alcohol as a legal sale um the 19th amendment was woman's right to vote um however my history teacher two mistakes in a row (laughs) oh god my history teacher made the mistake of during a class one day saying the 19th amendment was the biggest mistake america ever made and did not know what happened (laughs) (laughs) because he meant to say the 18th but suddenly you have this history teacher just going women's right to vote was the biggest mistake in our history (laughs) And everyone's just like, Ugh. oh, um, that's that's my little tidbit. That's my little tangent for this little, one. So little factoid, little factoid. And don't go act for like it, you're Rob. not going to go on more tangents. No, that's the whole point of this that's podcast. What we do on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's how we actually, Rob, can you turn yourself up a little bit? You're coming in very low for me. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. OK, let's let's continue this. Let's talk about prohibition and the issues that it, it, it warranted for the U.S. government. Uh, yes. So now obviously everyone was thumbing their nose at the government, uh, over prohibition and just drinking regardless, whether it was, you know, buying from bootleggers who were bringing it in from Canada or the South or, uh, you know, buying from, uh, illegal distilleries or buying medicinal alcohol. Sometimes the people were drinking like, um, I, I, I don't quite know how to describe it. Hmm. Uh, alcohol that was for industrial purposes i guess is the right word yeah like basically like rubbing alcohol and stuff like yeah it was cleaning alcohol but they were like whatever we can get our hands on which i'm sure was just whiskey yeah, um, probably. and uh this article from slate called the chemist's war essentially describes how the united states government killed thousands of people by putting poison in different alcohols uh that were legal uh to keep people from drinking it 
Yeah. Uh, it just kept doing it in the face of all these deaths. <laughs> the premise is basically, look, if we poison the alcohol, they'll stop drinking it. Hey, uh, they're not stopping drinking it. They're, they're just dying. Okay, well, it's a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I'll just I'll jump into the article. It's a pretty good read. It was Christmas Eve, 1926. The streets aglitter with snow and lights. When the man afraid of Santa Claus stumbled into the emergency room at New York City's Bellevue Hospital. He was flushed, gasping with fear. Santa Claus, he kept telling the nurses, was just behind him, wielding a baseball bat. Before (laughs) hospital staff realized how sick he was, the alcohol-induced hallucination was just a symptom. The man died. So did another holiday party goer. And another. As dusk fell on Christmas, the hospital staff tallied up more than 60 people made desperately ill by alcohol and ate dead from it. Within the next two days, yet another 23 people died in the city from celebrating the season. Now, doctors were accustomed to alcohol poisoning by them. That's the routine of life in the Prohibition era. The bootleg whiskeys and so-called gins often made people sick. The liquor produced in hidden stills frequently came tainted with metals and other impurities. But this outbreak was bizarrely different. The deaths, as investigators would shortly realize, came courtesy of the United States government. <laughs> Frustrated that people continue to consume so much alcohol even after it was banned, it's like a terrible parent, federal <laughs> officials had decided to try a different kind of enforcement. They ordered the poisoning of industrial alcohols manufactured in the United States, products regularly stolen by bootleggers and resold as drinkable spirits. The idea was to scare people into giving up illicit drinking. Instead, by the time Prohibition ended in 1933, the federal poisoning program, by some estimates, had killed at least 10,000 people. That was a very loud motorcycle that just passed me. I like to think of it as someone going into a bar and go, excuse me, Mr. Bartender, may I have an alcohol? And he just looks at them and goes, what did the government say? <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, This is all uh, in support of a a book. I think it's upcoming, but it might be out by now called The Poisoner's Handbook, uh, which includes this as a major plot point. Uh, Other things this guy notes the government has done similar uh, in the 1970s, uh, the U.S. government sprayed Mexican marijuana fields with a a very particular kind of pesticide um, because they hoped that a bunch of potheads smoking it would be deterred by how terrible it was. Um, thankfully, it wasn't as toxic as the just poison from po- Prohibition. Uh, real quick, the Poisoner's Handbook actually was released in 2010. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, so I'm, uh, this article's uh, older uh, yeah, than I thought article it was. from 20, February 2010. The book came out... Doesn't really say the month, no. but it came oh, I'm sorry, I, March, I didn't know Slate has, has been around that long. Yeah, yeah, so it's been around for a long time. Um, yeah, so that's that's the general hook of uh, both this guy's book, which now I want to read. Yeah. Um, and what the U.S. government did at the time. Uh, Prohibition was such a goddamned failure. I mean, it, it was it was a, a major, major flawed effort. Essentially that, responsible for the rise of organized crime in America. Y- like the yes, mafia doesn't yeah. happen without prohibition money. Yeah. Yeah. The mafia. People are dead. Stuff. <laughs> This is the worst decision in American history that we know of. There's this weirdly puritanical streak in America, like going back to before the founding of it as a nation, where people are just like, they can get caught up in these things. And it's usually related to Christianity. Of just like, we have to practice temperance with alcohol. It makes men cheat on me. And it makes... (laughs) It makes people go out and be riddled and show their show their breasts, their breasts. <laughs> How dare they? My stars. Um, so definitely check out this article. It was absolutely mind blowing just to see that this is a thing that actually happened and happened for the better part of a decade. Yeah. Just constantly poisoning American citizens and just being. And the, the best part about it is at the end of it. Uh, the last paragraph, officially, the special denaturing program ended only once the 18th Amendment was repealed in December of 1933. But the chemists war itself faded away before then. Slowly, government officials quit talking about it. And when prohibition ended and good grain whiskey reappeared, it was almost as if the craziness of prohibition and the poisonous measures taken to enforce it had never quite happened. Yeah. So it was just, hey, like 7000 people have died from this. Yeah, but like, no. 
it's it's this intersection of like spite and frustration and stubbornness that reminds me of like in terms of recent news stories um certain states out in like the midwest uh or the southwest that can't get access to the usual chemicals for putting people to death right and so they'll just buy whatever yeah yeah, uh, it, in pretty flagrant violation of the Constitution. It's it's very much it's very much the idea of just being like, hey, so many people died. Yeah, but we we gave you your alcohol back. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. You, so like you we're, we're the we're the saviors here. We 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 solved your problem. <laughs> God, and they never even like made significant <laughs> alcohol busts. Like we yeah. took Al Capone down. <laughs> With taxes. Tax evasion. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so speaking of all this and everything here, Rob, I would love to know, what do you got? Well, Nick, I don't have the murder. Uh, but I do have a different murder. A more fun murder, if you will. I love fun murder. <laughs> fun murder. <laughs> um, so my movie's called Jazz Killer. Okay. Uh, which is a term I've stolen from the musical Chicago. I always loved it. Uh, my director for this project is Matt Shackman. Why do I know that name? Uh, do you listen to the, the It's Always Sunny podcast? Yes, I do. He's a writer for Sunny, <laughs> isn't he? He's directed a bunch of episodes of Sunny, including one season where I think he might have directed every single episode. Um, he's gone on to direct uh, every episodes episode. Jeez. Uh, he's gone on to direct episodes of Game of Thrones and WandaVision. Oh, okay. Uh, so they were joking about it on the Sunny podcast that they'd love to have him back, but he's a big fucking deal now. <laughs> <laughs> like when you're directing Marvel shit, like you know, yeah, you're gonna yeah, come yeah. back and slum it. You're with not gonna Charlie go to Rob. FXX, like <laughs> <laughs> slum it with Rob Glenn and Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Which a small aside on a recent episode, I watch the episodes on YouTube. I don't just listen to the podcast. I do. Oh, you're a creep as well. Okay. Yeah. uh, (laughs) I hate hate that they call us that. It's so funny. The fact that like Glenn shaved his head, which is bad enough for the, for for that movie he was doing with actually with uh, Ray Liotta, wasn't it? Yeah. But what's worse is Charlie shaved his beard. Oh, did he? I didn't see that. I'm like yeah. three or four episodes behind. Yeah, Charlie shaved his beard, and it's worse than Glenn having shaved his head somehow. It's worse than Glenn looking like he's balding. Yeah. <laughs> I can't describe it. He looks so utterly wrong. It's like an Uncanny Valley skinwalker situation. Oh, no. I need to see this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my God. And now I've, got, I've just got to shake my head and move on from it. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's had a beard almost. I've never seen him with that one. Yeah. Like when he was very, because even in Pacific Rim, he had one, didn't he? Uh, yeah, at least, at least a little bit. Um, I Honestly, yeah, I don't think he's, we've ever seen him without some facial like hair. clean shaven. He just looks yeah. wrong, like a, like a <laughs> naked mole rat. It's not, not Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so yeah, my movie's called Jazz Killer. That's my director. Uh, and speaking of Charlie, uh, my cast includes Charlie Day. That's funny. Uh, Indira Varma. Ted Danson and Aaron Paul. Ted Danson, Aaron Paul. Who's the second name? Indira Varma. Who are they? <laughs> uh, she's a uh, British actress. Uh, she's been on Game of Thrones, uh, HBO's Rome. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Luther. Who Who are they in Game of Thrones? Have I gotten to them yet? I don't know where you are in Game of Thrones. Beginning of season five. You've met Oberyn Martell? I don't know. There's so the, many names. She Viper. does not look familiar to me. Mm. So I'm I guess not. Now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think I know her. Oh, Rome. I always wanted to watch that one. Rome is great. Uh, and I think she was just recently on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, cool. Okay. Oh, yes, she was. Yeah. yeah, I do not know her. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, let's hear a little bit about this premise. What do you got going? So uh, Jazz Killer is a story for me about a traveling band, a traveling jazz band, I should say. Uh, Charlie Day is the drummer. In is Zero this Varma. present day? Sorry. No, this is in the jazz era. Okay. Uh, Charlie Day is the drummer, and Dear Varma is like the singer, uh, torch singer. Ted Danson is the big band leader, and Aaron Paul is an extremely strung out uh, upright bass player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch. But, but what is he playing in the movie? <laughs> Bitch. Jazz. <laughs> um <laughs> So basically what I want to do is, you know, they're a touring, uh, a big band sort of swing jazz group 
uh, and they go from town to town. And at each performance or each town they go to, I would say, uh, somebody in the band dies uh, of seemingly natural causes. One of um, the main cast or someone else? Um, just random people in the band. I don't think okay. anyone in the main cast, no. It's, I'm guessing it's like a big band jazz band, so it's like 10 yeah, people. Yeah, like a, like a jazz orchestra like Duke yeah. Ellington. Um, so it, where, what was I saying? Oh, so every every town they go to, somebody in the band falls ill and dies, and it's like a oh, tragedy. Okay. Uh, but it starts to be like, is this happening like a little too often? <laughs> Should like, we be concerned? Like, I understand that, you know, it's the 1920s and, you know, huh. but, uh, <laughs> it's funny. It's saying it's like it's the 19th. I understand that it's present day, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, as, as we go through and they're they're touring, um, they're touring and everyone's like dropping dead. Charlie's getting absolutely out of his mind. Like this is not there's just there can't be this many heart attacks. <laughs> it's just not feasible. <laughs> and by the end, I essentially wanted to do that. Indira Varma is uh, poisoning people in the band that she thinks aren't good enough or are stealing her spotlight or looked at her wrong. Eventually. Is she like the, is she a singer or? Yeah. I was saying she'd be like the singer at the front of the band. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just because uh, I have a low opinion of singers. Uh, so, <laughs> so um yeah it's it's basically a little bit of a mystery and then sort of like a, a thriller okay. uh killer story of just like well also like you know we still got to play the next show so i can't like i can't just report it to the police because a i don't really have any evidence and b well people are coming to see her so it's <laughs> it's charlie like he's already solved it he just doesn't know what to do about it he's just like i don't know what how to where to take this from here mm-hmm. <laughs> and then i was thinking like he tries to expose her at one point because he thinks she's poisoned aaron paul but it's just that aaron has overdosed on heroin <laughs> okay so he dies but it's not fr- she didn't do it yes like the one time in this movie she didn't do it and it's just to the point where she's like why would i want to kill friggin bassist yeah and, and, and ted danson as the spotlight. band leader is just so hands-off and like no you're all like my kids that's not possible <laughs> and he's, he's like just like manager. he's too pleasant yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he, he really doesn't do a lot you know he's up, just up there kind of moving his hands <laughs> <laughs> perfect perfect the jazz killer reminds me of um wasn't that the nickname of the killer in new orleans back in the 1920s well, that was the Axeman of New Orleans. The, the Axeman of New Orleans, right. And his whole thing was like, you have to play jazz or I'm going to kill somebody. Yeah, I, I've always loved the twist on that, that like the newspaper things that he wrote were completely unrelated and somebody was just a real genius at marketing and was like, <laughs> I'm going to sell so much sheet music and records. <laughs> I don't. We haven't pitched that, right? We The, the Axeman the, of New Orleans? Axe, no, I don't we, think so. Because we've, t- we've talked about it in depth but i don't think we've not on the podcast but i don't think we've pitched it i think we talked about maybe but like at the time it was still a little bit fresh that they had used him as a character on american horror story oh i forgot they did that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's Which interesting was, it was a good twist yeah it's it's interesting that we're at the point now where we're this is what episode 54 we're at the point where like we have so many episodes under our belts where a lot of them do just blend together now there's a lot I don't remember in terms of things we've pitched or exact episodes, you know? Yeah. This is episode 54. Yep. Yep. 54. I did it. You guys, I remember the number. <laughs> I mean, I just said it right before you did that, but uh, shit, <laughs> <laughs> go back and listen to the tape. <laughs> it's a start. Just rewinding it on a big tape player, like right a fucking Watergate. Well, this is literally what it would sound like if you did. It would be, yeah, this is episode 54. We've done a lot. Yeah, this is episode 54. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> my brain's turning to fucking mush, you guys. <laughs> it's 2022. What do you expect? It's present day. What do you expect? Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, that's, that's the bare bones of uh, the jazz killer. Um, you know, it's it's a loose framework. If we go with it, we can flesh it out a bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now I will ask uh, a very important question that I'm sure no one is expecting. Nick, what do you got? 
do doom do do okay uh, <laughs> our our movies uh very similar like you said like it's a it's kind of like a loose leaf uh, starting point, um, but these these should be able to kind of blend together quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, my movie is called Huckster, um, and it is a Scorsese <laughs> film. I love that word. <laughs> it's a good word. Uh, it's a Scorsese film set in the 1920s as well, uh, starring Matt Dillon and Billy Bob Thornton. Um, now that's a pairing. Yeah, my Billy, uh, sorry, uh, Matt Dillon uh, plays a peddler uh, you know, of small trinkets and items and, and potions and elixirs and things like that. Um, but he's actually just a con man. He doesn't know what he's doing, as most peddlers are. Um, just Yeah, I, I figured when you said potions, he probably wasn't on the up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's selling whatever he can. Uh, it, I hearken it back to the Twilight Zone episode of um, what you need with the peddler who, like, kind of knows that people need a specific item that's going to help them in the future. Um, he's well, that all of our of shit eventually becomes the Twilight Zone. Well, yeah, it's it's kind of the basis for the greatest mystery writing in television history. So yep. <laughs> it's pretty easy. Um, but he's a peddler who's selling these items. He's a con man. He's just trying to make some money uh, until the point where he accidentally poisons and kills a very prominent uh, member of this small town society uh, who is Billy Bob Thornton. So about halfway through the movie, he accidentally kills him with like a poison that he didn't realize he had or anything like that. And now basically the whole premise is him trying to cover his tracks um, and figure out what happened. My idea is sort of that there's a twist maybe that he's not the one that actually killed him. Uh, He believes he did and he's hiding the body. But then he starts to uncover something else, maybe like a political thing, since this article is based on government. Uh, like Billy Bob Thornton's character was had political sway and someone else actually killed him, but he is now uncovering yeah, with like real poison, not just ex- this bad snake. Exactly. Oil. Not just like this apple cider vinegar that he happened to have in his pockets. Um, Why would you tell people it was snake oil? It's venom. <laughs> it's just venom. <laughs> it comes from a snake. Um, so yeah, it's, it's basically he uncovers that he didn't actually kill him. <clears throat> But at the same time, no one believes him because he is known as the town con man. So it's him trying to one, clear his name and then two, uncover a a political conspiracy. Mm. Um, That's uh, basically the premise. And it's I just cast those two mains because I didn't want it it feels like a small movie. Uh, I I want to kind of bring it back to like Scorsese roots with like mean streets and stuff like that. Um, So like it feels like kind of like a small indie film. Uh, but yeah, that's my that's my pitch. And I, I feel like both of these pitches can easily come together as something. Honestly, the first thing that struck me was if we're going to combine them, it should be a carnival. I am always about carnivals. You know this. You are indeed a carny. I am a carny. An art <laughs> carny, if you will. Uh, let's, let's not go that far. Um... <laughs> <laughs> to the moon? I guess, you know, we have that we could do that traveling aspect with it of um we just have to make sure that we're not veering too far into Nightmare Alley territory then if we're going to go that route. Nightmare Alley. The Bradley Cooper movie, Guillermo del Toro, Tony Collette. I haven't seen it. You need to watch it. Okay. It it might be my favorite Guillermo del Toro film. Really? Yeah, it's wow. it's that good. It was fantastic. Oh. Um it's got it's got uh, Tony Collette, it's got Rooney Mara, Bradley Cooper, Richard Jenkins, uh, who Damn. else? Uh, David Strahan. It's mm. got a very very good cast. Shit. Um, yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. So, but basically, just so we don't copy that premise, I'll let you know what it's about. Uh, basically, uh, David Strahan and Tony Collette are a psychic group at a at a carnival, a traveling carnival. So uh, they do like, you know, the psychic readings and things like that. Uh, a mis- mystics, right? That's what they called them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back in like the 20s or something. Bradley Cooper is basically someone who they kind of take under their wing uh, and he ends up becoming a very talented mystic. Uh, and it's just about him conning people out of money and things like that uh, uh, for like it, seeing their dead ones and stuff. Oh, God. Houdini used to debunk these people. Spiritualists. Spiritualists. There you go. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's basically the premise. So if we're going carnival, we just have to make sure we kind of don't go that route. But I think it's easy to not go that route since we're not doing the mystic aspect. Mm-hmm. So do we have your jazz band a part of the carnival? Like it's yeah, like there could a, be musicians in it. Yeah, but... it could be like a small, small carnival group, maybe like 30 people or something like that yeah. in total. More broadly, I like the I like the notion of of Matt uh, Dillon as you know this the snake oil salesman of the carnival, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who thinks he killed someone important. But yeah, yeah, exactly. So but I would say like kind of a doofus. I don't know if the idea is that Billy Bob Thornton is a political person or if he's like in the mob, something like I don't know what would be mob feels very. Let's take, let's, let's take the best of both worlds. He's a mobbed up mayor. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. He's the mayor of this small town. They're in like Indiana or something like yeah. that. And North now Carolina. they can't leave the carnival. Mm-hmm. Because Ooh, yeah, because he died suspect. there. Yeah. So, so they're like, not able to travel out. They're still in the town and they're still like, all right, I guess we could just keep doing the show until they let us leave. But like almost everyone has seen it by now. So it's just like, so they're, not making, they're not making any more money because there's nothing new about it. Yeah, it's a traveling <laughs> show. Like, with the act is the act. Yeah, <laughs> they don't change it. So, <laughs> so the whole time they're there. So, um, so Matt Dillon believes that he has. So, is it? Do you think it's in the beginning, or is it more towards like beginning a second act that it happens? Like it's a catalyst, so it can't just be the the middle it has to be more towards the beginning i guess right yeah i'd say about halfway through the first act once we kind of figure out who these people are and what we're doing yeah and then we're stuck there ted danson can be basically be the uh the ringmaster yeah. ringmaster of the carnival um and your group how do we fit them in is it just that they're I, I, they shouldn't just be like background or anything they're they're a crew do we split up the jazz group do we make them different things well, um, let's see. I had a singer. What can Charlie Day do? I mean, in reality, he can play like five different instruments. So yeah, he plays piano. He plays guitar. Yeah, um, he can. He can be like her piano player. Okay. Yeah. So maybe. Okay. Maybe it's just them. Maybe she's kind of just the musical um, yeah. uh, aspect, and he's just the he's the piano to to play to back her tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, so the two of them are there. Ted Danson's the ringmaster. Aaron Paul. Knives, throwing knives, throwing knives. I like it. Um, and yeah, that's that's basically everyone we came up with. You know, there can be a bunch of different things uh, there, but the question is: Do we take the aspect of your film where she's the one poisoning people and utilize it for this, or is it something different? Well, maybe she starting- has. Sorry, maybe she has like an uh, an um, she has a a motive. Uh, maybe someone she loved or whatever is in this town who passed away or something like that. Maybe she's okay. the one that actually did poison him. Okay. And then we just have Matt Dillon kind of almost going off the rails for fear that he's the one that did this. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like it's almost Coen Brothers esque of, of just like you know trying to solve your own crime. What pitch of ours is not Coen Brothers esque? <laughs> Some of the horror movies. I don't even know if I'd go that far. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Blood Simple is kind of a horror movie. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so what were you going to say after that? You, uh, so he's going off the rails, yeah. trying to solve his own what he thinks is his own crime, which it wasn't. Yeah. What did I put in the snake oil this time? <laughs> yeah, maybe he's like, maybe he gets. Does he get his like uh, stuff from someone in the carnival? So he's trying to like track the steps down about what happened. Yeah, like maybe that he he, he makes this hodgepodge out of like different things. Maybe that's how we introduce everyone in the carnival. Is he goes around and he collects different things from different people to make a snake oil out of. I like that they all have different stuff that they're kind of giving, and it can be it can be like gross things too. It can be like sweat, yeah, and things like that. I, you know, just this uh, mystical uh, mystical. Chinese powder, yeah, from uh, from Aaron Paul, and it's just heroin. <laughs> that, or I was gonna say, like the the trapeze artists, the stuff they put on their hands and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like opium from Aaron Paul, just a yeah, brick yeah, of yeah. opium. <laughs> He's the one that always surprise supplies the drugs for sure. Yeah. Um. So as we so okay, so are we going the route that Indira Varma is the is the actual killer? 
Um, you know, that's that's what I had. If you have if you have a better take on it, let me know. I I don't know if I think it works or is it too convenient hmm. that she's the killer and someone in the carnival is being blamed for it, or does it work better that it's just a bad timing for the carnival that they're there when it happens, so Matt Dillon's easy to hmm. blame. You know. So, okay. So how do how would we how would we reveal and explain that? I think if we go the route that it was someone from the town, it has to be that they were waiting for the opportune moment. Maybe they were following the carnival because they knew it would be coming. So they were kind of like following the axe, seeing what's there, seeing maybe they tried to have Billy Bob Thornton killed different ways. The knife thrower, Aaron Paul, maybe they were hoping something would happen there. Uh, Sword swallowing, you know, all those crazy things, fire juggling. They're Mm. trying to find different ways to kill Billy Bob Thornton. (laughs) <laughs> but they, they like, just... people keep volunteering him for different acts from the crowd. Yeah. And he's just like, there's other people in the audience. And they're all like, no, 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 you come on up. <laughs> Cause maybe Jeez. they're being bribed, right? They're being bribed to use him as their, you, you got the magician with sawing somebody in half, things like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're, well, they're American horror bribed. story beat us to that one. Did they? <laughs> they're being bribed to like use him in their acts. But, I mean, what what's the reason it doesn't work? Do they not, do they not get the chance to kill him? Are they not are they not killing him? Because that would obviously mean that they're definitely going to be staying there if he just dies mm-hmm. willy nilly. I'm trying to decide like how competent this this carnival is. I can't tell either because like one way to do it would be like if people are trying to set up the mayor to be killed in a quote unquote accident on stage at the carnival. Yeah. It's either it either doesn't work at first because they're too good at their acts mm-hmm. or it doesn't work because they're so bad at their acts. I think it's you better can't make if, it go wrong. I, I think it's better if they're really good. I feel like we've definitely pitched the oh, my God, they're so terrible. How do things work out in their favor? Yeah, a couple times. So I think the idea that no, they're really good and they're not going to they're they're actually stand up people. Right. They're not going to mm-hmm. stoop to this level um, to get these things done. OK, OK. Yeah, I like this. So you have this group of talented people who maybe maybe they are all con men. So we can definitely keep the title huckster and the idea that they're all it's taking such a these, good word. <laughs> it's a good word. They're taking these people's money saying they're going to do it. And then mm-hmm. just not doing it. Okay, okay, that's that's a level of intrigue. So who who exactly is in on it? I would say it's at least a group of like five or eight people in the carnival. <laughs> five or eight. Five five two eight. I just about five or, or eight. Four. <laughs> five two eight people. Like not ten. That's too many. Four is way too little. But somewhere in that sweet spot, it's a group of people trying to just go, hey, look, these people keep giving us money to try and kill this guy. Let's just keep taking their money and telling them that it's not working. But then it accidentally does work. And they think that. Oh, that's their con on the con. Yeah. man. I get it. And, and they it's just cascading throughout the show. Well, like he fucked up. But like, you know, during my knife throwing act, but, I could definitely do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but when he actually does die, they think that Matt Dillon really fucked up. And now everyone's pissed at him because they're like, well, we just lost this cash cow because you actually killed him. And he's like, I didn't do anything different. How did I kill him? <laughs> and he's trying to prove he's like, I didn't do it. <laughs> oh turns out i choked to death on a hot dog (laughs) yeah exactly did you give him the hot dog matt (laughs) no i didn't give him the hot dog i don't sell hot dogs that's hot dog stan (laughs) i'm jewish (laughs) matt dylan's jewish (laughs) he might be who knows he could be um sometimes these guys are absurdly good at hiding their jewishness like paul rudd (laughs) is paul rudd that guy i guess he is he is but then you hear him talk in like interviews and stuff. And he's got those mannerisms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like that. So it's the uh, yeah. So okay. So where do we go from here? Who is the one trying? So obviously, a lot of people in the town want him dead because mm-hmm. he's a mayor that's just completely corrupt and like ruining their small town. Oh yeah. Um, who is the one that kills him though? 
Oh boy! Now we're now we're just playing Clue, Carnival yeah. Clue. Carnival Clue. Have you ever played Seinfeld Clue? No. Did you know that there was a Seinfeld Clue? I did not know that there was a Seinfeld Clue. Good to know. <laughs> I would like to play Seinfeld Clue. It was. It's. Uh, it's fun, but like it gets repetitive because it's always Newman. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what <laughs> um yeah okay so. like is it a political rival is that too obvious is that too easy is it the whole I town think, do they do they all think they did it who the carnies like did it the carnies not sure yeah um i don't think so because i think they all think that matt Dillon did it and he's trying to tell them that he didn't do it because they're all pissed at him for getting rid of their cash cow. Because they were they were making bank on all this, you know? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So I think while they're trying to throw him. Well, I can't know because the people in the town wouldn't be pissed that it happened. They'd be happy. So it's not like they'd be like, but I guess the cops, if they're in on the political corruption, mm-hmm. which let's be honest, they are. Of course. Um, maybe they're the ones holding the carnival in town while they try to get to the bottom of it. So not only is it, oh my God, Matt Dillon killed this man, but it's also, oh my God, we've been collecting so much money to try and kill this man. The police are obviously going to find all of this out. Yes. Okay. Okay. So now, so, now it's a shell game. Yeah. Yeah. But then we just have to figure out who is the one that did kill him. And also... <laughs> How do they get out of it? Why are we having so much trouble solving our own mystery? <laughs> Dude, it is tough. The, <laughs> the script, the TV show that Matt and I are currently working on, he's coming over today so that we can kind of start planning out our, our crime. Because nice. I'm like, in order to clue it up, we need to know exactly what happened so that we can work backwards into how our characters got there. You know? Mm. You know, you know, I've always wanted to to pick the brains of people who write really good mysteries like this, like oh uh, yeah, like Sleuth or like you know, and Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. I'd love to know if he knows when he's starting the script. Like, did did he know it was Chris Evans when he started the script? I think in something like that, you have to because it's so intricate. You can't let it write itself because mm-hmm. there'd be way too many holes. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. I think you'd have to know from the get go exactly what's going to happen. That's what like you need like a blueprint. That's basically what you need. Like if we were to truly write this movie, we would need a full on blueprint of what happened. Timelines and everything. You know? Huh. Yeah. So the question becomes, how do they get away with it? Who actually killed him? And what are the consequences? What do we got? (laughs) Hey. I said the thing. I said the thing. For those of um, you at home playing, <laughs> playing with you got bingo. <laughs> you'll you'll most likely never reach bingo because it takes five and we say it twice, maybe three times max. <laughs> God help us. Um so I would say yeah, it can't be someone in the carnival that actually killed him. It has to be someone that switched something on Matt Dillon or something like that who found their way in. Um, and maybe it's someone who's not actually in on the town's please kill this. You know, did you ever see The Quick and the Dead? Oh, yeah, of course. Sam Raimi Western. Um, you know how the whole town is trying to hire. Uh, oh, yes, who is he it? thinks they're trying the guy to hire aliens. Um, Lance Henriksen. Lance Henriksen to kill Keith Gene David. Hackman. Lance Hen- yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. No, they they were trying. Yeah, they were trying to. They did hire Keith David. They thought that Gene Hackman thought that they hired Lance Henriksen. Yeah. Um, I think it's the idea that the town or a group of people in the town have paid to have him die, but it's not one of them that actually gets it. It's not one of the carnies that actually get it done, and it's not one of the people from the town. It's someone else. Okay. okay I'm I thinking like someone from like another maybe like a mob family or it could even be like a disgruntled girlfriend, wife, something like the that. The deputy mayor. The deputy mayor. <laughs> He's just a tiny mayor. Um, so we have someone that's kind of out of the loop that did it. Mm-hmm. And then the question becomes how, well, not how it's, it's easy how they right they switch the, 
they switched something of Matt Dillon's to be poison. Yeah. Um, and then we just need to figure out how they discover it. Cause I'm guessing Matt Dillon is the one that discovers it. He's got to kind of be the one to uncover everything since he's the one that's under, what would you call it? Uh, scrutiny basically. Mm-hmm. So he uncovers that it is maybe it's a political rival from his past, from Billy Bob Thornton's past. Okay. Yeah. You know, like 20 years ago or something like that. He's been following. Okay. Yeah. That works. Um, but what connection do they have to the carnival? Why are they in the town? Also a good question. Shit. Um, yeah. Yeah, guys, we have a lot of questions when we write films and it, it's not easy to answer these questions. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of the whole point. You ever watch a movie and you're like, Hey, that's a hole. They didn't really think that through. Well, we're trying to think it all through. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. It's a tough time. Um, so an old political rival, maybe someone that used to work for him. Maybe he's a bad person. Well, he is a bad person. He's a corrupt politician. Um, (laughs) someone who used to work for him that maybe has been making the headlines lately in their state. Let's say it's Indiana. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've been making headlines in the state of Indiana, uh, as run for governor or something. And maybe Billy Bob Thornton had something on them because he used whoever it is used to work for Billy Bob Thornton. Okay. So it becomes sort of a blackmail game. Um, Hmm, So the town gets what they want. The political rival gets what they want. And now Matt Dillon has to figure out a way to prove that it wasn't him so he can get what he wants. (laughs) Okay. But at the same time, he has all of the other carnies on his ass because they think he did do it. So it's like, He's trying to not only prove he didn't do it for his own sake so he doesn't go to jail. He's also trying to prove he didn't do it to the other carnies so they don't beat the shit out of him. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking fantastic. Because the idea was that they were never going to kill him. So to them, not only did he ruin a good cash, uh, cash making opportunity for them, but he's also now jeopardized the carnival. Uh huh. Interesting. So okay, yeah. So there's 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 layers to this onion. Onions uh, have layers. Ogres have layers. You know what else I like? The layers parfaits. Ogres <laughs> are not like parfaits. Shrek is a shockingly good movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I love watching the uh, OG scenes from when Chris Farley was doing the voice because it's so different. It's 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 weird. It is very strange. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I do. yeah, I like that idea. I like that there's, you know, they they think it's a series of cons, but there's more of a shadowy conspiracy. Yeah, also, real quick, while we're still here, I think, as much as I'd like it to be, I think this is a Shackman production, not a Scorsese. Okay, I can get behind that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's I think it's a little too, I don't know, it's, it's not enough for a Scorsese movie, I think. <laughs> or it's it's, it's gearing it's, away from it that. Doesn't meet the highest standards. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gearing away from that persona. I would say. Okay. Um, so we just have to figure out how he uh, how he uncovers what happened and how he clears his name yep. and also gets the carnival to move on. Yes, I guess how he uncovers what happens. It's it's it feels like it's got to be accidental. Yeah, yeah. He, I don't think he's, I don't think he's book smart enough to be able to figure it out on his own. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So it's got to be something along the lines of like whoever the political rival is. Oh, you know what? Charlie Day is the political rival. <laughs> he's okay. the one. Oh gosh. Oh, Charlie. <laughs> Which means we Stop don't use him trolling. as the pianist, but he's the political rival. Or we bring in a shoot. What's the guy's name that he was in Pacific Pacific Rim with Gore? Uh, Burn Gorman. Burn Gorman. What a he fucking always, name. He always plays those creepy characters. He's so good at it. Yeah. <laughs> he's also that creepy character in uh, Forever. If anyone's watched that TV show, it was the Eon Gruffid film uh, uh, show where he plays like a Sherlock Holmes type character. He's a coroner who cannot uh, who's who cannot die. So, or like he comes back from the dead every time. So in order to find out how people die, he kills himself the same way they died to solve it. 
Well, it was geez. a really, yeah, it was a really wacky show. It was really cool though. Huh. Um, I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, it was a really cool premise. Leah and I watched that. Um, but yeah, okay. So Charlie Day is our our villain, which hell yeah. <laughs> um, how does he uncover? He just accidentally uncovers it, right? Maybe he 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 hears him talking or something. Maybe he. Maybe Charlie Day makes a stop at the carnival to, you know, he's he's going he's running for governor. So he's trying to save mm-hmm. face being like, listen, he was a mentor of mine. He will be greatly missed. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, I didn't know you were into politics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, deeply, deeply into politics. <laughs> heavily. My my pockets are heavily into politics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So then how does he get out? So I guess I would say that he doesn't end up. uh, I I think Charlie Day ends up getting away with it. I don't think this movie ends with him being caught. And (laughs) then like he ends up going on to be the governor of Indiana. I don't think he. Yeah, fuck it, right? (laughs) Like, I feel (laughs) like that's. Yeah. So the question (laughs) is, do we end the movie with Matt Dillon just going to jail for a crime he didn't commit? It'd be so fucking fun. It's kind of the idea that's like, well, how are we going to solve this? How are we going to, how is he going to solve this? Well, wait a minute. What if he just doesn't? <laughs> what if he doesn't solve it? And then yeah. not only does he go to jail, but everyone else in the carnival is just like, yeah, he killed that guy. We don't want him in our carnival anymore. He should go to jail. Yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> the, he ruined their chance to make more money. So they just all turn on him. And then the movie just becomes about how easily and quickly <laughs> People will turn on you. And it also rings back to the article of being like, people just forget about it. Like it happens and <laughs> yep. it's just over. Like we we've, we've gone, we've moved past this already. They build a big statue to this mayor. And he's like, yeah. he was absolutely shit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that's how we end it. I think that's it. Local Carney condemned to electric chair. <laughs> Local Carney. That's a headline. Um, yeah. I think that's it. I think we've, I think we've finished it. I don't think it needs to be any like. Why is Carney such a fun word to say? It's a good word. It it feels so. It feels so uh, like derogatory. It does feel perilously close to a slur, but it, it, it yeah, it just it doesn't really mean anything. No, not at all. And it's 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 interesting that it feels so derogatory, but it's not. Like you could, it's it's kind of. It's kind of like the, just the way you say it. Mm-hmm. Like you can just you could just put a little something extra on it to make it. It's a carny. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> um, are we going with Huckster? Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we got to go with Huckster. Okay. Well, yeah, we can't really go with the jazz killer. Um, yeah. <laughs> we could and then just have people go, why was it called that? I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to name some name like a movie something completely innocuous. That it's has so nothing mysterious. To do. Yeah, yeah. And then people are spending years trying to figure out like what there's got to be some underlying message in the in the film that like <laughs> that's the reason. And it's just like no, it was a placeholder title, and I never came up with anything better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call it the Jazz Killer, and everyone's like, there was no jazz, none yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> And I don't feel like we ever saw a killer. <laughs> like How did they even mention it? Yeah. <laughs> it was a romantic comedy. I'm so confused. <laughs> Everyone uh, seemed like they were doing like, okay. <laughs> I don't get it. The poster has a bloody knife on it. There was never a murder weapon. Yeah. Again, I'm pretty sure someone just choked on a hot dog. I might be wrong. It <laughs> was very confusing. <laughs> welcome to what do you got productions <laughs> um, but yeah I think, I think we have ourselves a filmy a, a motion picture film one of them one of them talkies if you will <laughs> talkie should Jesus. totally be in black and white though that'd be a good that'd be a good poll I, I, I love like the old terminology for movies that if you use you immediately sound like you're older than Clint Eastwood like yeah. oh yeah I remember I made that picture a few years ago <laughs> yeah. Yeah, picture? What the fuck? picture what are you what are you talking about <laughs> times we have to teach you this lesson old man <laughs> stop talking to an empty chair 
just harming Clint Eastwood. I'll, I'll never get over that. It was just the weirdest thing. Yeah. It was I'm sure it did well in retirement homes. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because there's a lot of empty chairs people are talking to in retirement oh, homes. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, let's call it quits while we're ahead. Um, <laughs> folks, thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this article, this episode. Um, again, send us articles. Send us ideas. Send us your pitches. You listened to a pitch in the past, any one of our previous 53 episodes, and you came up with a better movie? Let us know, because yeah. we want to read it. Please let us know. <laughs> um, we want to read it, and we want to we wanna hail you as king or queen or whatever you like to be called. Princess. Oh, yeah. Pr- whatever. Yeah. Um, we'll call you princess. Warthog. I don't care. I'll trade you my shirt for a grilled cheese. <laughs> Troll goblin. Whatever you want to be called, we'll call you it if you come up with a better pitch than us. We, we we use that as a competition. Um, uh, other than that, you guys know where to find us. Twitter, Facebook, still not Instagram. Mm. Uh, at some point, maybe we'll, we'll get around to that. Um, episode 55 will be the next one. Once we hit 60, we'll be having another special guest. Uh, we do know who that special guest is, but we won't announce it till probably 58 or 59, just so that we can gear up a little bit more of that traffic. Um, but we hope you enjoyed this pitch and we hope you enjoy the previous pitches and the future pitches. And we hope you join us for upcoming episodes and share with your friends and family. Uh, people like to listen to podcasts while they drive to work, if they're driving to work and not working from home. So listen, <laughs> listen, listen to us, listen to our voices. And you know what, car. if you got to sit in your driveway for an extra 10 minutes at the end of your commute, <laughs> Just to finish our podcast, you'd better you'd better fucking do it. <laughs> Ain't nobody checking your clock in. <laughs> <laughs> we just get aggressive and violent at the end of every podcast. And if you don't, if you don't tell everyone you know, we got five minutes left. And if you turn that car off, <laughs> look at was... look in your rearview mirror. That's right. That's Nick. <laughs> this has been fun. <laughs> Oh, we should we should be stopped. We should be stopped. But we won't be. Episode 54 will be out tomorrow, which is August 13th. Hell yeah. So <laughs> until we put another one of these absolutely awful shebangs together, I've been Rob. I've been Nick. And that's what we got. What Do You Got is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Weiss. You can find her on Twitter at, at Gabby Weiss. 